Welcome to St. Joseph Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Jason Cargo. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Well, Emily, we are in the month of May now, and it's uh, May is the month of Mary, but it starts off with a bang with St. Joseph, doesn't it? It sure does. Um, you know, May 1st, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, is a pretty big deal, especially this year during the year of St. Joseph. Exactly. And I'd like to just, you know, start off by just talking about um, this feast day and, and, and why it's important. And, you know, uh, the first thing is when I think of St. Joseph the Worker on May 1st, uh, I, I think of how uh, Saint, our painting by Savannah Cuff uh, in right outside our St. Joseph room, we have this beautiful painting and, and it's of St. Joseph and Jesus. And Jesus is maybe, I don't know, about a 10 or 11 year old in the painting. It's a huge painting. I mean, it's much bigger than I thought it was going to be, but uh, it's a huge painting, takes up most of the wall. And, and I don't know, it might be six feet by six feet. It's huge. And Jesus is there intently looking at Joseph as Joseph is teaching Jesus his trade, right? Right. And he's teaching Jesus how to be a carpenter. And to me, I think that's just a, a beautiful uh, image of this feast day, St. Joseph the Worker. And I don't know if, if you've thought about that painting much or if you've spent some time in front of that painting, but to me, I think it's a, a gorgeous painting. Yeah, there's another one um, similar to that that I've seen in the past, which has also has Jesus as a young child um, in the shadows of Joseph and working and building something. And it is a beautiful idea to see the humanness of Jesus, you know, as a toddler, a young one, looking at his dad, um, looking up to him and learning from him. So it's something really beautiful to think about, especially not just Joseph being the worker, but Jesus also, you know, owning that alongside with him. So I have a question, like, did Jesus, did he ever hit his thumb? Like when he had a nail, you know, and he was like trying to hammer that, that piece of wood together with that nail. And did he ever hit his thumb? You know, or? that's inevitable. It seems like, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, I do that all the time. So, um, no, I don't nail stuff all the time, but it seems like if I do hammer, I'm hammer, hammering my finger as much as I do the nail. So anyhow, well, yeah, May 1st, you know, this is a great feast day that was instituted by Pope Pius the 12th back in 1955. And the whole reason why we have St. Joseph the Worker is because um, basically the church at that period of time had consecrated uh, workers to St. Joseph and the church to St. Joseph, especially during a time of communism where communism was against uh, the life of faith and and. During those early months of, of um, early days of May in the 1950s, uh, communist countries would have these big May Day celebrations, which were supposed to kind of highlight the, the worker and highlight how the worker is primarily going towards the uh, uh, the state and how great that is and, and et cetera. So the church, in response, consecrated uh, the very first day of May to St. Joseph the worker and said that work really is oriented towards God and that St. Joseph really teaches us that. So it's a really cool day to celebrate 
especially this year of St. Joseph, we can uh, once again consecrate our work to St. Joseph. Wow, you know, that's really interesting. I had never heard about that um, or how that feast day was instituted. So thank you for sharing that. Actually, I think the first time that I really... Um, heard about that feast day was when I started working here at St. Joseph. I think traditionally we used to have our youth be confirmed on that day. And I was thinking, wait a minute, in March we just had this big feast day celebration for our parish and yet here we are again in May. Uh, So it seemed like we were very fortunate (laughs) to have two feast days. Um, But that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I remember thinking that we only had one feast day for St. Joseph for a long time. And then I was getting confused between you know, March 19th and May 1st. And, and then I thought that every parish was like St. Joseph the Worker or every feast parish that was St. Joseph was really St. Joseph the Worker. And then I realized, okay, no, every parish might be oriented to St. Joseph the Worker, might be St. Joseph, uh, the spouse of Mary. And that here at St. Joseph in Richardson, we are uh, St. Joseph, the spouse of Mary. That's our feast day is uh, March 19th. We had a great time on March 19th this last, this last year. It really felt like to me that, you know, it was, our time to say, all right, it's time to, to live our faith and, and, and allow St. Joseph to be there and guide us as a spiritual father. So, Emily, uh, what does it mean to you that uh, Jesus, the Son of God, is working um, with his earthly father, Joseph? You know, um, this is an interesting thing to reflect on, actually, because I think for most of us, the Jesus that we know from the Gospels. It's during his public ministry. He's this itinerant missionary walking from town to town, yet to actually stop and think about, okay, what was his life like before that? Um, I think at that time, most young boys around the age of 15 would start an apprenticeship. So for many years, you know, he was truly working alongside his dad. And, um, you know, what I think about is I feel like so much of the character development that happened at that stage with his earthly father, Joseph, Mm -hmm. translated into who he was as a missionary and spreading the good news. Like, for instance, I think for anyone who's starting out um, working for the first time, you learn so much about integrity, work ethic, you know, working even when you don't want to do it. Um, A lot of times the work can be hard and painstaking, painful, and yet you keep at it. And so learning that from his father, you know, even building something. You know, you have to have a plan. You have to have a vision of, okay, what is this going to look like? How big are the pieces? Like there's so many little details. And so I imagine that as he's learning how to create things with his hands and construction, that same thing kind of would come into his ministry later on. You know, he wants to build the kingdom of God. So this didn't happen overnight. This was a three-year plan where, okay, I need to go out. I need to get disciples people to follow me, to help me in my mission. So it's very strategic in a, in a sense. So I really feel like all of these things that he must have learned, um, even getting customers, you know, I, I, I can imagine him being on the street corner, you know, waving people over, showing the quality of work that they have, you know, being hospitable and welcoming people. Later, as an adult, doing the same thing, going out, you know, outside of his own comfort zone to welcome people and invite them in. Um, it just, it seems like there's so many things that, as a working person, you learn that can help build your character, that can really help you be the person that God wanted you to be. You know, when you were just saying that, it just gave me a, a beautiful image. I mean, that was just uh, awesome to hear. But this beautiful image, I'm going to share it with you. So I've never had this before. So this is kind of fresh right now. So, um, but like Jesus 
as a young adult or as a late teenager, and, and he's so proud of what him and his, his dad, Joseph, did together, right? And he's going out, like you said, saying, hey, check this out. Look what... Uh, look at this beautiful piece that you could you could have or or um or if they had a customer who commissioned something look at look what we've done for you you know and look at all the detail here look at it's almost like the the most exquisite artist showing all the details of the the artwork he he or she does and it it i could imagine just the joy uh that and the the love of the craft that would be exhibited through through Jesus as he's showing others what him and Joseph had put together, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. Just that pride of workmanship and and what they've done and what they've accomplished together. And that's well, part, part of the whole mystery, I think, is is the fact that uh, you know Jesus, he's God, but he he took on fully our human nature, right? So he had to develop and grow and understand uh, his body. He did so perfectly because he's God, uh, but he uh, also had to learn all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what, what about you, Father Jason? Have you ever thought about Jesus working? Um well, I, I think he is the primary worker. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, he is the logos, the second person of the Holy Trinity. So the logos is the ordering principle of the universe, right? So I think about this all the time as I, as a scientist, uh, as a meteorologist and how he, uh, that, that the second person of, of the Holy Trinity, the son who is Jesus, who is incarnate, uh, he is the one that first, uh, with the father moved to make everything happen, right? And he's the first worker. He's the one that created uh, everything out of nothing. And to me, I, that's that's the, the beautiful thing about work is that we actually, we enter into the, uh, we enter into the work of God whenever we work in a dignified way. And that's the beautiful thing. You know, um, I want to share with you uh, this great quote from St. John Paul II in, in his encyclical Laborum Exercens. And this, this is a beautiful quote. Um, the description of creation, which we find in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis, is also, in a sense, the first gospel of work, for it shows that It shows what the dignity of work consists of. It teaches that man ought to imitate God, his creator, and working, because man alone has a unique characteristic of likeness to God. Man ought to imitate imitate God both in working and also in resting, since God himself wished to present his own creative activity under the form of work and rest. So what St. John Paul II is saying is that we image God when we do holy work. And that's profound, right? So we take a something that God has created and we we put our own energy to that and something greater comes about. And you know, I think that's partly what Jesus was was doing at, with St. Joseph. Uh, they were working together. The interesting thing there, the dynamic is that you know, Jesus is God himself. And so in that moment, and he's sharing our human nature and taking created things and, and, and making something out of that. But he's also sharing 
he's also the one that created those created things uh, in the first place, you know. That's pretty deep stuff, I know, but yeah. th- it's pretty awesome. Well, you know what kind of came to my mind is when I'm here at the parish working, um, oftentimes when I pray with the Faith Formation Department directors, one of the things that I'm very aware of is the fact that the work that we're doing is not our own um, and that we're working alongside the Lord and we're asking for his intercession and we're asking for him to help us. And I think when I'm here physically, like that is on my mind, but you said something that kind of made me think, you know, I don't know that I do that necessarily when I'm at home, when I'm with my children and I'm tired, <laughs> you know, and maybe oh, that's my tough. patience is losing just a little <laughs> bit. I don't necessarily think about I'm working alongside the Lord. Um, Sometimes I do. Lord, give me patience. Um, But it's interesting because it's not just one part of our life. You know, Mm -hmm. it's in all aspects of our life. The Lord is with us and he invites us um, to be with him and work side along him. And so being aware of that, um, I think, is maybe a key to really helping our family lives be what God wants it to be. You know, yeah, exactly. So it's not just the, um, when, I, when I say holy work, I'm not thinking of like working for the church or I'm not thinking of uh, a special type of work. I'm just thinking of uh, of doing things intentionally, knowing that this is, uh, this is our way of imaging God. So uh, it could be changing diapers, right? <laughs> there's, there's nothing, you know, great about that other than, you know, it makes the, the child or the baby uh, clean. But but that's uh, when done and knowing that that is being done f- uh, in line with God, the creator, the one who worked first, then that, that becomes a holy work, right? Uh, likewise, uh, washing the dishes or, 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 you know, mowing the lawn or, or any of those type of things that normally happen at home. Uh, it's not necessarily, e- it's also not necessarily just creating stuff. Sometimes we think of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm creating, uh, I'm just going to be like St. Joseph and, and Jesus and we're going to build something and construct something. And, you know, for me, I, I like mosaics, right? So I, I'll, I'll do that. Or I like gardening and planting and watching the, 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 the flowers bloom. But even cleaning the routine things that we do at home, that can be done intentionally aligned with God, the first worker, you know, and that's what will make it a holy work. Right. You know, that actually has been a spiritual practice of mine for many years as a mother of five. Um, I mean, I remember going through a period of time where I just, I felt sad that my spiritual life wasn't what it once was. You know, when I was a single person, I had all the time in the world to pray. And, (laughs) you know, all of a sudden life becomes busy and there are all these tasks. And that actually became a spiritual practice as I was folding clothes and I would, you know, see it pile up. I would start praying for the child that the clothes that I was folding, um, just to remember that blessing, you know, in Mm. the sense, not necessarily Mm. Lord help me to fold this, but thank you, Lord God, for giving me these children that I have, you know, clothes to fold them. Or thank you, Lord, that we have clothes that we are not lacking of that. And so, you know, and and all of the little practices, even with the dishes, um, kind of turning it into a little bit of a prayer helps you to see, you know, how interconnected it is and how God is a part of all of that. And and it makes it a little less overwhelming. And uh, help me, Lord, to uh, how do you how do you that when you're like doing the work of disciplining, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask my husband. <laughs> you know, you know, this is my my prayer is this discipline, you know, but that's a, that's part of the, the work and that's part of the family life. You know, a, a family without discipline isn't going to go very far, you know, so that's part of it. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I think knowing having boundaries um, for your children and consequences, it's important not only for them developmentally, but um, just for a family and for helping to create little human beings who are responsible citizens. Um, I think it's really important. Well, you know, Emily, I, I remember uh, very fondly working with my family on a number of different things. So, you know, one of the things that uh, my my dad and I and my brothers would do is we'd help out with political campaigns. And my dad was uh, real big into, into that. And I remember one time he, as part of one of the political campaigns, he had an old timey fire engine. It was so sweet. We love climbing on this thing. And I guess because we had the space in our, in our house, uh, in our parking or in our, in our driveway that he parked the, this old timey fire engine in our, in our driveway. And it was the coolest thing. And we get to ride on it. And I just remember, you know, helping out with the, the flyers and the signs and, and all those type of things. And I just felt so like part of, of something greater. And it was so great to be able to do that with my dad, you know, and it, I, you know, he, he probably was not fully aware, but I was watching him the whole time on how did he engage? How, what was his ethic? How did he do things? Did he do things meticulously and, and with, or did he just, um, you know, go by the seat of his pants or, or did he follow through or did he leave things undone? And, and so I, I learned a lot from him later on, you know, when we started our lawn mowing business, my twin brother and I, uh, my dad was right there, you know, guiding and mentoring us as we started this lawn, lawn mowing business. Of course, uh, we were in sixth grade. I can't <laughs> imagine doing that now um, in sixth grade. How old are you in sixth grade? Is it uh, 12 or 11? Yeah, 11 or 12. And uh, But we were handing out flyers and knocking on people's doors and some people actually uh, said yes to us, but, but my dad was right there, would drive us to the, the place and drop us off and then, and come back and, and allow us to do that work. And, and it was a, it was something that we did together. And that was, that's something that I, I hold on to and, and uh, think is so important for families. Yeah. You know, I think it is really important for families and for children to be able to see the work that their parents do. Um, you know, as you said, you're able to learn from your dad as you volunteer alongside with him. And I think having kids see that what their parents do kind of helps them to build character as well. Um, you know, I would actually, the world has changed quite a bit with the pandemic this last year, but I would say in the past, many times kids would have no clue what their parents do for work. You know, ask them, oh, I don't know, he sits in front of a computer all day. They actually had bring your daughter to work day, which was something where the goal was for the children or your daughter in particular to be able to go to work, normally with the father, um, to see what he does and also to help give her that, that perspective that this is something that you can do. You know, maybe this is a profession that you may be called to. And something that I think about this last year at the pandemic is so many people shifted to be working from home. And so whether they realized it or not, their children were watching them and the way that they were working, what is their work ethic? You know, did they go to work at the time they were supposed to be in work? Were they working faithfully? Were they slacking off? I did mean, they dress up? <laughs> at least from the top up. <laughs> you know, I mean, kids see this. And so this is something that's really important you know do mom and dad enjoy going to work you know are they grumpy or not you know it's all part of this discernment and, and part of me likes to think even you know maybe they themselves are thinking is this something that I may want to do um 
I mean, I know my children have already had that conversation about, oh, I want to do what, you know, dad does. I want to work with computers or I've had the blessing to bring my children to some of the church activities that I do. And, you know, having them alongside with me in the parish, preparing for a holy hour stations, the same thing, you know, oh, mom, this is great. You get paid to do this. (laughs) Well, you know, so I think just sharing in that, um, your work life is something that's good for the kids to get that perspective. And, and something else you mentioned about you working alongside your dad, I think that's important for families, like even just in the workings of the home. Um, you know, if one person in the house is in charge of the laundry and cooking dinner and setting the table and cleaning the dishes, they are going to be burned out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're a family. We, it's, we're a community. And I think that it's so important that everyone in the family has a part and a role in doing that. Um, you know, from a very young age, it just kind of helps them to learn their role and their responsibility. So when you guys are like cleaning up after dinner and uh, you're all washing and drying and all that, uh, are you guys singing songs together? <laughs> <and> like, <laughs> you know, uh, hi-ho, hi-ho, off to work we go. <laughs> you, know? you know, with my kiddos, we are not singing. Um, when I was a child and I had my own chores, we used to do that and try to go as fast as we could. But no, there's no singing, but there's not a lot of grumbling in my house either because it's just a known thing. This is just a part of what we do as a family from a very early age, everyone has a role. And so we all pitch in and help together. Awesome. Awesome. Well, what are some uh, tools that we want to, to give to our listeners on this uh, podcast on on work. Right. So I think, you know, some of the things that we've talked about that really will reinforce the dignity of work. The first tool that I'm going to say, I think parents are going to love um, is Give your children chores. So, you know, as we mentioned, it's so important to give children age-appropriate chores that they can do so they can learn responsibility. And I don't know how you feel about this, Father Jason, but in my family, we do not pay our children for chores. You know, it is not associated with your allowance. A chore is a responsibility. It's something that we do out of love because it's it's part of, you know, who we are as family. Um, so it's not, I'm not paying you to do something over and above what you should be doing. It's your role. Um, and I think also just working alongside your kids to help make it fun and maybe even letting them pick. I've noticed that when I create the specific chores for my kiddos, I get less, um, I would say they are less efficient in the work that they do. They take a long time, but when they can choose, okay, Hey, these are the things that need to get done. Who wants to do what they happily pick it and we get done so much quicker. So then we can just enjoy time together as a family. That's a brilliant idea. And so uh, how, how do you, how do you, choose the very last one like, like the if the who how, who gets to choose first and who gets to choose last so they have that opportunity to choose what they most like well so usually we do start with the younger ones um just because we know that their ability <laughs> is a little different but you know it surprises me you know my one of my sons um I think I had charged him once with cleaning up the toy room and he just was dragging his feet and the next time that we did it I let him pick first and he actually chose to clean the bathroom no, I don't no know way. what child. <laughs> that yes. is impossible. Like, why would you want to do that? I mean, I don't want to do that. But he was so excited. He thought it was so fun. So that's when I learned. <laughs> Mom will choose last. <laughs> yes, I'll pick up your toys. <laughs> you scrub the toilet. If I got to choose, it would always be outside work. I'd be, you know, always mowing the lawn or always, uh, you know, sweeping the off the, the balcony or off the patio, that, that would be my thing. You know, in seminary, I love doing the outdoor. And every time I got given that, that job to, to do the, the bathroom, so it's like, all right, Lord, I'm doing this as an act of love for you. <laughs> 
No, that's a great idea. I, I love the idea of choice. Right. So then the next tool that I would say is just to be transparent with your own work and your profession. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, let your children know what you do for a living. And I think a big piece of this, apart from the character development, which we've talked about, is allowing them their own ability to begin discerning what it is that God is calling them to. And so first of all, to see in their own home, what are some options that are out there? I think that that's really good for them. And, you know, God is calling them and the only way that they're going to even know that something is available is if they see it. I think that's uh, amazing. I because I, I like and I like how you were explaining earlier about how during this pandemic there's an opportunity f- when everyone was working at home or a lot of people working at home for children to be able to see what they do, right? And so to be really transparent and talk about, okay, this is this is what we do and this is the work that I'm and 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 uh, so that. Uh, even if it's studying, right? Even if it's, uh, you know, showing, okay, yeah, right now I, I, I'm preparing for this test and this is what I have to do. And I have to uh, dedicate a certain amount of time studying and preparing so I can do well on this exam. That's teaching that child um, a good, proper study habits, et cetera. And they're watching, right? Yep, they sure are. You know, the last thing that I think that is a really good tool for parents to have, and and a lot of parents don't take advantage of this, but I think it's important for them to volunteer as a family. So this is going above and beyond what you would normally do as a family, um, but doing a service to others. And I think for me, a big piece of this is the fact that this is teaching your children even about stewardship. You know, we're, we are called to give back to the Lord and to give our time. And so to be able to volunteer in something And it's actually surprising that many times kids will enjoy doing volunteer work because it's something a little bit out of the norm. Um, You know, some of my favorite kid-friendly volunteer sites are um, Buckner's Shoes for Orphan Souls. Mm. So they actually get to organize shoes that are going to be sent to developing third world countries. And and even thinking about that, wow, there are children out there that don't have any shoes and I'm complaining to my mom because she won't buy me my, you know, (laughs) Nike shoes that I want. Um, the North Texas food bank is a really good one. If you have older children, I would say like young adult, I think it's 13 years of age. Um, because again, that same concept of there are people who are going hungry and just the, the difference at the end of the day, they'll actually tell you how many pounds of food you help to sort and how many people that's feeding. So it's just very tangible what I did and how it's helping the world. Um, what about you, father Jason? Do you have any service sites that you're aware of or that you like in the area? Well, one that I know, and it's it's pretty much the only one, is feed uh, my starving children, and that's a, a fantastic uh, place where uh, children can assist uh, their parents and and uh, creating uh, bags that will go out to uh, uh, places that uh, children need. Um, just to be fed. And so I think that's, uh, I personally have not gone there. I think you've gone there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's a, I think that's a beautiful and everything I've heard is that's a wonderful uh, place to be able to work together. And I want to reiterate what you said, Emily, is that there's something really good uh, of a family, mom and dad working with their children uh, beyond the home, you know, in some sort of volunteer capacity. I would say I'm a priest because my parents did that, right? I think that sowed within me before faith kind of rooted itself. It sowed within me this sense that I, I'm supposed to be a man for others. I'm supposed to be someone who um, uh, that, that goes and serves, odd servium as the, as the um, I guess one is Jesuit and one's uh, Ursuline. 
but both of those uh, mottos are are true. You know, this idea that we're meant to be for uh, a servants for others as a part of the stewardship. Uh, so, I love the. I've not heard of the Buckner sh- uh, shoes for souls, and I and of course the North Texas Food Bank. We know about that. Uh, uh, what about this Hunger Busters thing? Right. So Hunger Busters is another one. It's it's similar to the North Texas Food Bank, where, but you're actually making lunches for different people. And, and at a very young age, they welcome. This is a, for if you have younger children, this is a great opportunity. Um, again, though, I know that things have shifted a little bit with COVID. So I would say look at them online before you go to volunteer. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, Father Jason, at the very beginning of our pandemic, when we went into the lockdown, um, almost naturally, families started to do this. Like you would actually see where they were creating, you know, like surprise bags where they would go and drop it off at someone's doorstep, mm-hmm. you know, ring the doorbell and run away. And it was like, we're thinking of you, you know, like sunshine in a bag or going and chalking on people's yards, like beautiful messages. So it was almost this intuitive thing that we want to share our love with others because we can't physically be with them. So I think that was one of the really beautiful things to hold on to. And also um, just for parents, another incentive, um, is as you mentioned, really learning who you are and who God is calling you to be. When I worked in youth ministry, remember at the end of one year, I kind of listed all of the things that we did. You know, what was the one that made the biggest impact on you? And I would say 95% of the people who responded chose one of the service activities. Not the fun lock-in or, you know, the night at Adventure Landing or any of these other the conferences. It was the actual service, that experience of helping others, of seeing the reality that was so completely different than their own and realizing that they can make a difference. That actually impacted their faith life. So I think that's another beautiful thing to come home and this whole development of self. Um, so for families, I would definitely recommend volunteering together. You know, Emily, I was also thinking it doesn't have to be a, a big deal like uh, uh, an, an institution that one is volunteering for or the church that one is volunteering for. But I think even just, you know, if you were at the park and you saw trash and you could say, hey, let's go pick up the trash together, right? And right. and put it in the trash can. And that sense of volunteering and working together uh, for the good of, of a community, that is, that is a great example. And that's very bonding in itself, right? Right. I agree. It comes back to that thing that your children are always watching you (laughs) make a good impression. Well, you know, these are some great tools that you've uh, added to our workshop. Uh, So especially in in trying to help us uh, be able to uh, build the the church at home. And so these tools is basically the is oriented towards helping us to understand the the beauty of work. St. Joseph helps us to understand the beauty of work. And so incorporating uh, the chores within the the family. So not just one person does all the chores, but the, the different, uh, every different uh, person in the family does the chores base. And if they can choose the chores that they uh, would like to do the even better. Right. And then uh, being transparent about your work and your profession, uh, is a, another great tool for our children. And finally, to volunteer together as a family. Uh, these three tools uh, are going to be fantastic uh, to help the family engage into intentional work, holy work, um, recognizing that God is the creator of work and that it can be has great dignity and helping our children and our family members to have that same understanding. Right, exactly. And, you know, as you said, we hope that with every episode that we have, that there are some tangible takeaways that families can have. So put those in your toolbox um, because you're going to need them. Absolutely. 
Well, we are all a work in progress and be sure to join us for the next episode to get more tools to build the church at home. Thank you, Emily, for this time, and uh, we wish God's blessing on all of our listeners. Wonderful. Thank you, Father Jason. It's been a joy. And let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we ask you to pour forth your goodness and your blessing upon each of us. Help us to understand the beauty of holy work. And may mighty God bless each of you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 